Welcome to The Bag Drop, untold stories in golf. I'm your host and co-founder of New Club Golf Society, Matt Considine. Today, we welcome one of our own, a very special guest to The Bag Drop, Chicago's newest development manager for New Club and PGA professional, Brian Hilko, joins us on the show from his home in Downers Grove. Today's podcast with Brian would not be possible without our friends from the NV5 Invitational. The path to the PGA Tour runs through Glenview this May when the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank returns to the Glen Club on May 26th through 29th. Make the most of this Memorial Day weekend by watching the next wave of PGA Tour stars compete in the Chicago area's only annual professional golf event. General admission is complimentary, courtesy of a partnership with ServePro of Glenview. Cannot recommend this event enough for us golf nuts. I was there three years ago for the first time, and a little-known gentleman by the name Scotty Scheffler won that year. Yes, the same Scotty Scheffler who has risen to number one in the world golf rankings. Year after that, Will Zalatoris. Year after that, Cameron Young. This tournament is where you go to see who is coming next. I recommend checking their upgraded experience options. We tend to hang out at The Hangar, presented by Corona Premier, a premium venue with food and drink included. All proceeds from the NV5 Invitational will help the Evans Scholars Foundation send youth caddies to college. Visit nv5invitational.com to secure your chance to find out who's coming next. Hey, Brian Hilko, welcome to the bag drop. Hey, what's up, man? How's it going? It's, it's good. I we do a whole lot of Zoom calls together on a regular daily basis, but today's extra special because we just get to hang out, talk some golf. I'm excited. I'm excited. Hopefully, this won't go too long. First question: I'm I got my cup of coffee here. I see you have your uh, your Red Bull. How many of those do you crack a day? I gotta know. <laughs> a little less now that I'm working from home and working a new club. But when I was at the golf course, like on like tournament day, like it would be. I mean, I could have four or five of them easy. Like I if think, it's like an all day member guest, like for sure, it's a horrible habit. Like every it. like every other golfer in the pandemic, I've I'm hooked to F1, and so Red Bull is now feeding me, you know, advertisements, <laughs> and you are feeding me Red Bull advertisements. I, I when I first met Brian, when I first met you. You were like the, one of the most energetic people I've ever met in golf. And now I know that that is entirely artificial. It is, it is Red Bull just streaming through your veins. When did that start? Are you, are you just not a coffee guy? No, not a coffee guy. I'm horrible. Like my taste buds, it's embarrassing. Like my mom, when she like growing up, like it was just like mac and cheese and chicken tenders. And like every meal was like this most simple meal. So my, it like drives my wife nuts because like, I can still eat like plain noodles. So like, <laughs> it's just horrible. Like, so like sugary things like this, like, right. I love, like, I just love ba I, It's pathetic. I, I, it's definitely, definitely something I need to work on, but I'm already almost 40. So I don't feel like it's going to get any better. I think uh, it, it doesn't seem to serve you poorly, my friend. Um, in, in addition to <clears throat> being jacked up on on the uh, night train that is Red Bull, you you also honestly one of the most passionate golfers I've ever met in my life, and uh, that was one thing you know long before you were even talking to us about working for a New Club. But you just had this passion for the game. You truly love the game of golf. 
I want to know where that comes from. So let's get, I want to get a little bit of background on Brian. Where, where'd you grow up? When did you start playing? I grew up in the Western suburbs of Chicago. Um, so there's a little par three car. It's called Twin Lakes over in Westmont. Um, and my dad randomly took me, I think he waited pretty long. I was probably like eight or nine when I would like went and, you know, played nine holes. And I just, re- I still remember it. Like I hit the ninth green in regulation, like from probably like 70 yards or something. But like, I was like immediately hooked. I mean, it was ridiculous. Like sleeping with my golf clubs, just like all I wanted to be was at the golf course. Like it was complete like that. Like it was just like a switch from day one. And uh, yeah, it just, I remember like, even as a kid, like I got the world Atlas of golf and just like all the golf course drawings in there. Like it just, I would obsess over it, you know? And I think everyone from like kind of my age group, I've heard a bunch of other architects say it, but like, I would draw these golf holes that were so Pete Dye influenced with like tons of water and like insane carries and like, but I just loved, I loved everything about golf. And then obviously I was super blessed to have like the tiger. I got like my entire pro, like watching golf. Like I had tiger woods, basically he was, you know, as I was getting into pro golf, that was when he was an amateur and then like winning the U S amateur and then coming out. And it was just such an exciting time. You know, I used to work at the waste management you know, or with, uh, with waste management over at the BMW when it was still the Western. And like, I remember I was in the crowd, like I worked the ninth hole and I was in the crowd running behind tiger when he won the first Western open. And it's just like, I'll remember that memory as long as I live, you know, and it's just, it's just everything about golf. I mean, I love the pro side, the architecture side, just playing, having fun, hanging out. It's just, it's the best. (laughs) You can, you can feel it when you're with you, man. And I honestly just, since you, you started a new club, I, there's people feed off that energy and you remind uh, a lot of us why we love the game and, and what it's, you know, it, it, it's when you're getting up in the morning to play golf, talk about golf, do anything with golf. It's kind of a blessing. Right. And you kind of live that. I feel like um, I want to go straight to the 19th soul because you, as you're talking about this, there's some, we, we developed our scientists in the lab at new club developed this questionnaire so that, uh, we could get to the soul of the golfer. I just want to get right to it with you. We're not going to wait till the end. So I adapted <laughs> these 35 questions from Marcel Proust. He's a French novelist, one of the most influential authors of the 20th century. I know you know him well, Brian. I know oh, you know yeah. him well. Well read. His questions attempted to reveal the truest nature of the individual. Our questions attempt to reveal the soul of the golfer. So Brian Hilko, are you ready for the 19th soul? I am. Number one. When and where were you the happiest as a golfer? I would say um, I took a trip with two of my closest friends to Long Island and East Coast and did this incredible golf trip and played bucket list after bucket list course. But like like a really particular moment on that trip was like being on the ferry, heading back from Fisher's Island, just like drinking Fisher's Island lemonade. Like those things are dangerous, by the way. But like just talking golf and like taking in the moment and like, it was just like the golf was special, but just like being there with my friends and talking about it was almost just as special as doing it. And like just being on that boat and beautiful fall day, golf season's over for me at work. It was just like, just like a perfect storm of moments that it just like, I look back at that as one of my favorite times as a golfer. That's awesome. Number two, what is the scariest golf shot? Um, Scariest that's a tough one. I would probably go with, uh, 
I don't know. I, I, I always get ten of Lawsonia in a weird way. It always gets me going because that green's so insane. And it's like, it's so long. And I know I got to hit such a good shot there that like, it's going to be a brutal up and down. It's one of those shots that like the first time you play it, it's a nothing shot. And the more you play there, like the more it just like gets in your head. Cause you know, like you don't realize how insane that green is. And just like, it actually ruined, like it makes you feel like you have to be perfect when you really don't. Man, that that is such a great way to describe that hole. I, I, that is visceral for me because I always feel a little extra something on that tee. Number three, what is your go-to order at the halfway house? I would, so I'll do this as a two-part question. I would say typical, uh, I just like a plain hot dog just because I don't like the mess and I just love hot. I've grown up in Chicago, love the hot dog, but I don't want to get my hands too messy. Even though I do love Chicago style hot dogs the best, that one I actually go plain. Uh, my favorite halfway house is probably uh, Pasa Tiempo Burger Dogs. I know everyone talks about Olympic Club, but Burger Dog at Pasa Tiempo is just as good. I, I, I didn't even know they did Burger, burger Dogs. At Pasa I know, highly recommend. Number four, what is the trait you most deplore in your own golf game? Um, I have this like weird, so my swing, like if I play a ton, it gets like, I, I can get it locked in. It's super repeatable, but I set the club like super early in my swing. And like when I'm not playing and especially my short game and like half shots, like it, I have to play a ton and practice a ton. And then I'm fine when I do, but if I'm not practicing a ton, it's like, I can get the yips. Like it can just like, so that's one frustrating thing about my golf swing is it's so homegrown, so unique. Like I can get it to a point where it's super repeatable, but if I'm not on top of it, it can get ugly quick. You got to get that parents golf game. Now you got to have the, 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 <laughs> like not so sharp, but easily repeatable without a lot of practice golf swing. Yeah. <laughs> Number five, a lot of full swing. I try to hit a lot of three quarter shots. Right. Right. Number five. What is the trait you most deplore in other golfers? Um, I would probably go with, uh, obsession with distance and just like, and that I think there's a lot of ways to get the ball in the hole. And I think a lot of people get super, especially in today's age, like with distance, but like, I still think there's, I mean, like I just, you look at tiger playing and it's like, how close do you hit it to the whole distance helps part of that equation. But uh, I think there's a lot of other things that are way more important for the average golfer. Number six, what is the quality you most look for in a playing partner? Uh, Fast playing would be number one. Um, uh, just fun, laid back, not obsessed with grinding on every shot. You know, just like, dig into fast. Dig into fast. What does fast mean to you? To as a player, so fast is just ready golf. Like honestly, like even I don't like. It's just like go play your shot, and when you come together to talk, you talk and have fun. But you do it when it's appropriate. You know, you go to your ball. You know, if somebody loses a ball, they're searching. Like if you can help, you help. But you know what? It's not really expected. You just keep everything moving and, you know, and also the understanding that like you can get a little further ahead, just be safe, you know, but constantly just kind of keep trying to keep things moving, you know, and not holding up the group would be my biggest thing when it comes to fast, you know, just being aware of your surroundings. I'll tell you a little, little, little hiatus. I'll go off of the 19th soul for a second, but my, I come from a family of storytellers. We're Irish where we feel like it's our liberty or duty to tell stories. And I didn't realize growing up how much we, we, when we're at the ball, we play ready golf and we get, but I never realized how much growing up, we actually stand on the tee and tell a story. And, and it's, it's all fine and good. 
except it's not because <laughs> you know, a ball needs to be in the air. And now it drives me nuts. The more I've, I've really, you know, dissected the game and thought more about this. It's these same stories take place walking down the fairway. They take place yeah. getting back in a cart if you're riding in a cart, but the, those same stories don't go away. There's just <laughs> an appropriate time to tell them. And it's not yeah. when we're all standing on the tee box doing nothing. Like the golf needs to be uh, moving. It needs to be a brisk yeah. exercise and not, you know, a coffee shop. So um, sorry, hiatus. We talked too much about pace play. Number seven, what words or phrases do you most overuse on the golf course? Um, probably uh, pure. Everything's pure. pure. <laughs> the course is pure. The golf shot's pure. Like everything. This weather is pure. Like that is a word that I just love. It's yeah, definitely overuse that word. <laughs> Number eight. What golfing talent would you most want to have? Um just full control, full distance control of my irons, like to just be dialed in. Like, I think that would be my biggest thing. Like I can, like, I have a hard, like I can hit those long left ones. I can hit short, right. Like just like command of my iron game and just like more ball striking too, just that goes along with that. But like really that distance control would be a huge thing. When I was playing my best golf, like in college and stuff, like I felt so much more locked in on my distance control. And that's something that I'm always searching for now. Number nine, what is your most treasured golf possession? Um, I hope this doesn't get me in trouble, but I stole a comb from San Francisco Golf Club, and that would probably be my <laughs> – I want to throw that out there too much, but I was young when I did it. I apologize to the golf club, but it was a little plastic comb with that said San Francisco Golf Club on it, and I, it was just like I bought a bunch of stuff in the pro shop, but none of it meant – that's just the coolest thing ever. I couldn't help myself. A cone? Wait, no, like, comb. A oh, comb, like a hair comb. Like a hair comb. Yeah, <laughs> oh, right in the locker from the room. Locker room? I, had never, <laughs> I had never seen one with the actual club on it like that and all that, and I was there. Was it plastic? Cool yeah, it was, was just it? a plastic cheap comb, like one yeah. of the, like, so I felt bad. I, I don't want to get in trouble here, but uh, and I, I'm willing to step back like $10 to San Francisco Golf Club to make up for it. I don't but, think that costs 10 and I also don't think that they will be missing it or – <laughs> Uh, I think they'll be okay. I think, I think Sam, I don't know, but I think San Francisco golf club will be okay. <laughs> I think they'll be fine. Number, uh, that's a great answer. Number 10. What's the one thing in your golf bag you should throw out? Um, any club between my three wood and my four iron. So right now it's a driving iron in my bag, but like hybrids, every, I cannot, I got, I think I'm going to try a five wood this year or it's just a, that is like the Bermuda triangle of my golf bag. That's my favorite club in the bag to like snap up. It's like a hybrid. So it's like, and then like the dry, it's just, I can't, I'm too low spin of a player. So the driving iron, like sometimes it's hard to hold anything if I'm trying to fly it in there. And it's like, it just, that is like the black hole of my golf bag. So I don't, <laughs> I'll try to, hopefully this year will be better than the last like 20 trying to figure out what that club is. I think you're not alone in that ballpark. I think we all like to experiment in that category. Yeah. Uh, number 11, what is your, I like asking people that have worked in different jobs in golf, this question, what is your favorite job or kind of a two-part question? What is your favorite job or occupation at the golf course? And also what's your favorite job or occupation in golf or one you respect or one you'd like to have or, or. Yep. 
And so my favorite job in the golf course probably was like the early days, like when you don't have anything to worry about and you're just there to enjoy it. So like the driving range, like just driving the picker around and like zoning out and just having fun and like working with the outside crew and playing golf. Like that was probably, that's the most fun. Like caddying was probably the most rewarding, but I had the most fun like doing that, just like goofing around with my friends and hitting balls in between picking balls and just, yeah, I just, that was the best. And I think for job, I still, you know, I think I'd have to go with probably like golf course architect still obsessed with, you know, I, I've loved, I wish I could go down that road, but just the travel. And, you know, I didn't think of that early in my career when I should have jumped on it, but like, I love the, I love to create things and, you know, my mind's always racing and, you know, I just, I just love that problem solving, figuring out how a course goes, the routing, trying to please the client. Like I just, I respect what they do. I mean, they gotta be, you know, to be able to sell themselves and then still be artists. And uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's still to me, they're most interesting like that for podcasts is probably still what I listen to the most is probably golf architecture. You know, I just find those guys super interesting. Number 12, have you ever asked another golfer for their autograph? If so, who? It would have been uh, um, Mr. Sluman, Jeff Sluman. Um, you know, he was a member at Hinsdale. And uh, I got him to personally sign. Uh, he gave me a club uh, that he didn't want anymore. And I actually asked him to sign it. Like, normally I don't want an autograph because it's like whatever I've seen, like these guys, and it just feels kind of weird. But like, I don't know, I knowing him and what how good of a person he is and how friendly and outgoing, like I just wanted something from him before I left Hinsdale. And uh, yeah, he was kind enough to do that. So what, do you, what did he sign for you? Just a club that he had used uh, in the past. So just whether I don't know if he actually played in tournaments with it, but he brought a bunch of clubs over to give to us. And then I was uh, wanted to keep this one club. It was a really cool putter, custom putter from TaylorMade that I thought. And uh, and I was like, would you know, would you sign this? You know, just uh, and so he signed, it and I have that down in the basement. So pretty cool. That's cool. That's a cool one. I really I really like that. Thirteen. What historical golf figure do you most relate to? Historical golf figure. Um, that's a tough one. I would probably, I, I would probably go with Ben Crenshaw just because like just his passion for golf in general. Like he's just like, I love golf as a whole. I'm not just like hype. Like I love, I love the pro side. I love the history. I love the architecture side. I love just playing like, you know, and I just, I just love his enthusiasm, his all around enthusiasm for the game. And I think that's probably who I'd connect with the most. Number 14, what is your greatest golf regret? Greatest golf regret was uh, I had a chance to play Sand Hills and my boss wouldn't let me go and I should have just quit my job and went and played. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, Noted. I, I love that job. Noted. But I Noted. If the invite comes through for Brian to play Sand Hills, let him go. Uh <laughs> Number 15, what is your favorite golf book or movie? Um, golf book, I, I'd probably go with uh, Confidential Guides. I know those are more like, I just find those like, those are such a great uh, just tool for every golfer, like to go out and find some different places. Like it's such a good, like whenever I'm going on a trip, like I'm digging through there and trying to find some under the radar spots and then doing some other research, but that's where I start all my research. And they're just, uh, yeah, if you want to get out and see a ton of golf and get out, you know, maybe see golf, it's not always on a top 100 list. Like that's a great place to start. And it just, 
yeah, it's just improved. There's so much golf covered in that book. It's unbelievable. And just the honest reviews I love. So that would be a, a high recommendation for me. Number 16, one song. Well, here, first question. Do you listen to golf on the, the do you listen to music on the golf course? I do. I do. One song to listen to on the golf course for the rest of your life. What is it? So speaking of the high energy thing, I was actually a metal kid, like uh, hard rock in high school and stuff. That like doesn't well, surprise me in the slightest. <laughs> it's so funny. Like I look back at it, like it's just hilarious, but I like Metallica wherever I may roam, like just that Whoa, wherever that I may roam. And I know how much you like to travel for golf. So that one makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That one makes a lot of sense. Um, number 17 if you were to die, this is a heady one. If you were to die and come back as any golfer or golf thing, what do you think it would be? I I would come back as a, yeah, I'd come back as a golf architect, you know, someone like who got to work, but like it, it go even more in depth, like a Doke or a Corn Crenshaw gets to kind of handpick their projects and really kind of do a lot of passion projects like that would be, that would be awesome. Number 18, our 18th and final question. If you had a motto, maybe you do, what would it be? Be authentic. You know, it's uh, people see a lot of people, especially intelligent people will see through. If you're trying to fake something, it's like, I describe it like I don't, you know, when it comes to, I'm not a big wine snob. I enjoy wine. But if I were to have a conversation with somebody who's really into wine and I try to pretend like I know a bunch of stuff, they'd see right. And, you know, and it's like, be authentic what you know and you know and be uh willing to learn on other things but uh yeah that's that would be definitely my motto i think that's that's outstanding authenticity matters well i i am glad we got to the 19th soul early because my my real concern was that we would never do it when you and i get started <laughs> on a topic normally the next call comes really quickly so um now do we just just dive into some other things i mean you grew up in Chicago. I think one thing, as I've been talking to you, I've started to realize that, you know, I've been here 13 years, which is kind of crazy for me moving here. God, that long ago, but I've played a lot of Chicago golf courses. You know, I was intense, especially starting a new club on getting out there and seeing everything I hadn't seen yet, both private and public. But I talked to you, Brian, and it's like, I've never heard of this place. I've never heard of that place. And we're talking like Chicago proper, which is kind of, kind of wild. Um, Give me, give me your takes on just Chicago golf in general and, and how it's changed, how it's changed for you from being a young kid, you know, playing that part three course all the way till now, a well-traveled, you know, human adult that knows the game inside and out at all these places. Yeah, it's uh, I've been on a roller coaster ride with Chicago land golf. Like it's funny looking back at my views on it. Like as a high schooler caddy, like I like uh, we used to just drive around and play all different places. Like we would go after we get done caddying and just kind of see as much golf as we can just to get variety for no other reason. You know, I wasn't really into that much golf architecture at that point in my life. We just wanted to play something different, you know, whatever was cheap. And then high school golf takes you around to all a lot of courses, you know, getting you around and seeing, you know, and it's, uh, you know, and as I got older, you know, one, a couple of things I started to realize early on in my golf career is I started to see more of like the private clubs in Chicago and as I actually started to get this negative feeling about Chicago. I started to, as I started to travel more and see other cities, I was like, ah, oh, Chicagoland, like we got a ton of golf, which is amazing. But I was like, I don't, I just didn't feel like the architecture was there. We don't have the best land. I was like, 
you know, it's kind of overrated. Everyone talks about it. And, um, but then as I got older and I really started to get out there and dive in deep and started to travel and realize the Kankakee Elks of the world, Spring Valleys, you know, you build Highlands of El, you know, we got two foster courses now with Shepherd's Crook and Highlands of Elgin. Um, and if you're willing to travel and drive around and, you know, there is a ton of cool places. I have really, and then the restoration work and renovation work in the last few years, I is really, I mean, I don't love it all, but like, it's awesome to see a lot of these places clean up. Like I went and played Sunset Valley is unbelievable. Mount Prospect now, you know, with Ravisol going public, it's just, um, you know, and then I go to other cities, like you go to Detroit for their public golf scene and. And it is, you know, we've talked about uh, another, you know, these are big major cities where I, you know, to me, there's, you know, you could probably name 10 courses in Chicago public side that are better than the best public course they have, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, I've really come around on Chicagoland golf. And then if you're really, and then like what's within a couple hour drive of us too, is just amazing. You know, there's a lot of hidden gems that are inexpensive to play and, fun day trips to take. And, uh, yeah, it's just in with Wisconsin golf blowing up. Um, yeah, I'm a lot more positive about Chicagoland golf than I was when I first kind of started seeing stuff in New York and ruin you. New York and San Francisco are like uncomparable. Like you just need to like, you know, you understand that we don't have that kind of land. We didn't have those, you know, those architects here, but like, it's when you really look at Chicago as a whole, there is a ton of golf and there's a lot of great golf, a lot of very solid golf that I enjoy. Give me your uh, top three private clubs, top three public courses in Chicago. Private's pretty easy. I would say the usual suspects, Chicago golf, Shore Acres, Old Elm. I think those are just the work they've done. I mean, they're right, just, give me two more. It was too easy for you. Give me, give yeah, me four and five. So now I'd say uh, Beverly, I, I put Beverly as number four. I mean, what Tyler Ray did there, I, I always loved Beverly before and um, I was always yeah, it just, I thought it was awesome. I was shocked they were going to go redo it again. But what Tyler did, man, it's ridiculous. I mean, it is, I think 14th there, those bunkering and the way that green sits with that right kind of kicker. Like you see that it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I was, I was blown away. And then I probably put is right for right now, it'll be interesting to see what Olympia and Medina do with number three, but I would have Skokie number five. I think it's just uh, the blend of Langford and Ross and it's a cool routing the way it's like, I would almost describe Skokie as like the Chicago version of Marion. So you think that Olympia and uh, Medina have an opportunity to displace the top five with the, your top five with the. Yeah, I think, I think just so Medina, my, I mean, that that's another Medina in a nutshell. I used to, um, I used to pick on Medina, not like bad. I just, it, I, to me, it always felt like it set the example for Chicagoland golf and it was setting the wrong example. Just um, that typical, like growing up that Chicagoland look, the Cog Hill, like Medina, like very bland bunkering um, tree line, very big golf courses that just kind of repetitive for both of them. And uh, I, the work that they've done to one and two is just awesome. They've totally taken the club in a different direction. Two is like, Nobody talks about it. And that was an in-house renovation on a golf course. It just, I would love to play two all the time. Like it's awesome. I I I think think that's what so many people are excited about three is that what's been done at the others and not that it's the same architect, but just that, that general trend and you go out and play two and it's so much fun. And to bring that same level of fun and challenge to the big boy, to the big course is I think going to be just, I hope, I hope it's going to be, one of the best in the country. We'll see. Yeah. 
And number three, when they get done with it, what they've chosen for architects and like, it's going to be ridiculous. The rerouting, like I, I have high hope. I think three is going to finally be the course that we've always wanted it to be. And I think the members are going to be blown away this time. It'll be worth it to shut it down. That's let's go uh, overrated, underrated. Cause you, 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 I, I've, I've enjoyed some of your rated comments thus far. Uh, what's the most overrated golf course in Chicago? Uh, Rich Harvest Farms. What's the most underrated golf course in Chicago? Man, that's a tough one. I'd probably have to say um, on the spot, uh, probably go with uh, Barrington Hills. Barrington Hills, great. Wow, that's one not many people talk about. Yeah, sneaky good. And then back to your your public ratings. I, I We cut you off before you finished it. What's the top five public in your mind? Uh, top five public, I'd go um, Highlands of Elgin probably is the, my favorite to play in Chicago proper. I mean, you got to put dubs in there. I mean, there's a lot of things I could go on negative, but it's an amazing piece of land. It's a big golf course. It's interesting. It's I wouldn't want to play it all the time, but it's it just it, you have to put it on there. And um, I would go with uh, I put Shepherd's Crook on there. Um, I would put Mount Prospect on there and. Uh, Probably Ravislow to round it out. That's a, I, I like that because that's a really diverse list there, right? It's it's not all um, one one in the same. That's pretty uh, pretty cool. Um, do you have a fave classic architect? I know I've heard you talk a lot about the classics and you know getting to some old school stuff. Who, who's your your favorite classic architect? Uh, it's it's crazy how much it's changed, but I really. Um, I, I would probably definitely, I'm Langford obsessed. You know, it's like Rainer Langford, like those both that I never thought I would enjoy. I just, I love that shaping, that in your face, like, I, and I hope somebody else does it. I hope somebody else, it's like understanding that like, it's cool to do that kind of shaping if like it involves strategy and creating something you have to overcome. Like you don't want to waste all, they didn't waste all the time with the surrounds. They shaped like the stuff right in front of you. It made it very wild. And when you saw pictures of it growing up, I was like, that just doesn't look right. It looks weird. But then you play it and you're like, oh, this is insane. Yeah. And I just, I'm a huge, I mean, if you follow me on Twitter, it's a Langford is my passion. And uh, we're very, that's one thing where Chicago's changed in my view is like, you can drive to within four hours here. There's probably five or six of the best Langford courses there is. And they're just as good as almost any classic out there. Yeah, I, I've even I've talked at length about Langford just because I I was so unappreciative of Langford just as I'm sure so many ground uh, grounds committees were and why we don't see as much of his work on the private side is that it it is a, a deeper layer than what meets the eye right if you just look at his courses it, they weren't always the aesthetically like you know. Uh, Fazio bunkers, right? It would, these were, they were very intentionally placed and the mounding intentionally placed and, and so, so strategic. And I didn't have an appreciation for that. And I grew up on a Langford. I grew up on one of his earliest courses in Akron, Ohio. And, and so I, man, I last God, 10 years, I've been stuck in this rabbit hole for Langford and I'm kind of wanting to see every one of his golf courses is my next thing. Um, but we are spoiled in Chicago because it's, they're not short drives, unfortunately, no, they're not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they're worth it, but they're worth it. You can get to it. What, what are your favorite Langford's go to see? Are you I recommend? Would, 
Yeah, I like obviously here in Chicago, Kankakee and Spring Valley are just out, unbelievable. Like, I mean, they both could still use some more work. Love to see that volcano hole come back at Kankakee, but like even in current form, they're awesome. I mean, they're just like they're enjoyable. I mean, they could be better, but they're already awesome, and you'll have a great time playing them. And they're super cheap to play, so there's really no excuse not to go out there. Um, on the obviously, Lawsonia is the crown jewel. Like it's full it's like the best presentation outside of culver of like of what langford wanted it's an amazing piece of ground to me it's like if you may never play chicago golf or national golf links but you can go to lawsonia and that's to me the closest experience to those two places with just the shaping and the feel of the place and uh yeah i can't recommend enough people getting up there west bend is in culver are sneaky good too they're private but like what the front nine at west bend is just I just, it's so in your face and uh, so many cool greens. Like I just, he's got this one green on the first par five you play where, you know, it's kind of at grade as you come into the green. And then there's these two huge shoulders that just pinch in on the green. And then the green drops down, like probably a foot and a half in elevation, massive drop down. And it's all blind back there when you're hitting into it. And it's why, and it's just so many cool things you don't see anywhere else that I, uh, yeah, I just, he, he just, he was a genius. I, I just like what he did with, uh, yeah, his golf courses are just so, they will be fun forever. I, I, wherever equipment goes, as long as his golf courses are still around, I don't, I think they'll always be fun. Isn't that insane? Because even I, I, there was an aerial of Lasonia recently put up by Lasonia of, you know, the original course, 1932, I think, or 30 maybe. Um, and, and today's, and man, bunkers are spot on size of the greens are spot on. Like it's so rare that you get to see those aerials match up, but there there was like some, there was only difference was a few trees over on 13 T the short or no 14 T that they cleared all that out. Yeah. So that was back in the day, but, uh, but man, it's just so spot on from, and I think about the distance, changes and how that course still strategically i mean there's some bunkers that are like way out of most golfers purview on like you know 17 that that center line bunker at like 220 or whatever that was probably a huge care it's not center line but you know the the two actually that that you know really tighten that fairway it's uh it's amazing that i still find that hole very strategic even though i'm you know 60 yards past those and it's um yeah, man, it just kind of blows your mind, right? Like that, that course stands the test of time and it just shows what good architecture can do, even despite all this distance change. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, and I've gone and played, it's fun. Like they did a three, they used to, I think Chicago golf tour did like a three, bring your three best and they'd play a Kankakee and they set the pins up pretty tough. And like, you're talking like my one buddy's team, they were combined, like probably plus 18 handicap three guys and they're shooting like 63 as a three-man team scramble like his golf course is just sneaky tough you know just enough undulation in the green and like you just gotta to get the ball in the hole like you're not gonna make a lot of big numbers if you play smart but it's also hard but it's hard to make a lot of low numbers well i think it's an it's something too with uh, i know we're going back there for what is it the sunrise this year stableford yep yep and I think a lot of our members that have been there for our events in the past kind of, kind of beat themselves up with the score that they post there. If you look at the uh, Illinois Mid-Am has had a qualifier there and they're going back this May. If you look at that thing compared to all the other Mid-Am qualifiers, you know, it's always around even par or a couple under that gets into the CDJ Am or the uh, whatever. It was 78 
when when <laughs> I tried to qualify there. And guess what? I didn't hit that number because it was hard, man. You put the yeah. the, the pins like you're saying on on Langford Greens. You have to think about where you miss. So it brings it brings so much kind of doubt into uh, into the scenario where you just got to you got to plot your your way around. You do have to think, which is so rare. Um, even when it, even though his public courses, you know, they don't play that fast, that firmer fast here. Yeah because of the conditioning, but it still is relevant. Yeah, no, I totally agree. How about uh, road trips, man? You're, I, I love calling you a road dog because since you, <laughs> you since you, uh, it, and it has to do with the Red Bulls, right? I just see you yeah. hauling ass <laughs> around the Chicago suburbs, chugging Red Bulls, meeting with clubs, getting to know members. I mean, you've been such a road dog and, and, uh, you know, you and Casey shout out to Casey down in Atlanta. You guys have really taken upon yourselves to, to figure out more of these, um, we'll call it, we're calling them getaways, right. Which are like just one night type deals, uh, where you're getting in the car, you're driving a few hours and you're playing two, maybe three, but usually two really incredible golf courses. And, um, I, it's, it's been pretty exciting because we've been so focused on the local chapters and not that we're not like, this is actually applied for local chapters, but give me some of your favorites that you're like, that you're working on. There are just some places to go that Chicago members may not be thinking about just yet, but, um, but the, the packages you guys are kind of working on. Yeah. I just like, I basically looked at it like Every Monday, I'd get with my buddies. We'd either leave, we'd leave super early in the morning Monday on our one day off from the country club. And we would, you know, that was the one benefit of the golf business. Like you get access to some really cool places. And uh, so I used to just drive, we drive all over the Midwest. You know, we, we did some really crazy ones. I've driven as far as the UP, <laughs> played all day and come back. It's some crazy stuff. But, um, but like, I, you know, I just kind of looked at it like, what are the day trips that I really loved? And, you know, like uh, the first one I released here was uh, Battle Creek and Stotion Bray. Uh, Renaissance Golf, Tom Doak's team did Stotion Bray. I kind of describe it like a mini Kingsley. Uh, really cool piece of property, sits on some high ground, um, firm and fast and fun. Um, just a really neat spot. And then Battle Creek's 20 minutes away. And uh, that's a Willie Park. We don't have much here in Chicago. Uh, awesome, awesome golf course. Bruce Hepner's been working on it probably for about 20 years. Um, just Parkland Golf Course, but really neat greens. And uh, yeah, just a really cool place to see that, you know, it's not on a lot of people's radar because it's just they're not a club that's going out looking for notoriety, looking for publication. And uh, yeah, so just being able to get people access to these places, you know, we're going to have Davenport and TPC later in the summer. Uh, Davenport now after the renovation. I mean, if it was here in Chicago, it would probably be in that top five. I mean, it's just an incredible piece of land. There's a huge valley that runs through the golf course. Um, one of my favorite, I go back to the uh, Tron from Nolan Love and Infrastructure. There's a sweet bridge. When you play, you play the ninth holes like down through this valley, really narrow par five along a creek. And then you climb up to the clubhouse and the tee's up there and you take a bridge over the ninth green to the 10th. Uh, playing this par three over that valley and it's just uh i love that kind of stuff it's just uh so cool it reminds me like bel air you know says the same kind of thing and i love bridges on golf courses and that's one <laughs> of the best so uh something to definitely uh if you've ever been out there a place is just incredible so those are uh you know when i'm looking at getaways it's those experiences that those clubs that are kind of under the radar that you may not have heard of or thought about going to because they don't they're not trying to advertise and uh when you see these places they're just going to blow you away what's the iowa one you've been talking about so 
uh, what was that? What did you say about Iowa? Iowa. What's the one in Iowa? Cedar Rapids is the big, like Cedar Rapids, the work they've done. Tyler Ray, who did Beverly, did the work out there before he did Beverly. And it is just an incredible piece. The clubhouse, you drive up to the place and it's just completely flat, pull up to the clubhouse. All of a sudden you walk around the back of the clubhouse and the golf course sits on this super huge hill. I mean, it's probably 40, 50 feet of elevation change back down to the valley and everything kind of works off the this hill and the routing is really neat in that the first hole you drive right off this hill and play, but then you do a sort of a triangle three hole loop and then you come back up the hill and you play back down it. And then like the ninth hole is one of the coolest par fives. I'm a huge fan of uphill holes in general, you know, and uh, it's this big uphill par five, but the hill crests about 50 yards short of the green. And then it drops down like probably another five to 10 feet elevation change to like a punch bowl green. So it's like, you're just trying to crest this hill. And like, if you're a big hitter, like if you can get a three wood just over that hill, you know, it's going to like, everything's going to feed down into the green and it's all blind, but it's just one of the most fun holes I've ever played. And uh, yeah, it's just an incredible place. Amazing set of greens. And um, yeah, if, if Cedar Rapids, same thing, it's just uh, Tom Doak wrote about it in the confidential guide, but like I always got some heavy hitters. It's yeah. uh yeah, yeah and you just, people wouldn't expect it. You know, you always wow. think to go north. You always think to go to Michigan, Wisconsin. And it's like, unfortunately, like like most places, Iowa, all their good golf's private. But like if we can, you know, some of these that we'll be offering, uh, they're incredible. And I highly recommend going to see. You know, one, I was doing my uh, my old internet dig, digging deep for my journalistic integrity of this show and trying to research you, Brian. And I mostly came up with Golf Course Atlas uh, message boards. That's about all that there's out there on you. <laughs> Other than a LinkedIn profile, there's, there's your comments publicly displayed. And here's one that was old. It was, uh, you were 28, I believe. So you were on golf course Atlas as a, as a diaper dandy compared to who's usually on at golf course Atlas. Um, and, uh, Chicago Highlands was being debated right in the channel. And I think it was probably a new ish golf club, newish model of a, of a course. We had already selected it for this year's stinger, our, our, uh, kind of guest enabled event that we do each year. Members get to bring their guests out. And so, uh, we already had selected and, and I was kind of knowing that you're such an architecture buff and I know art Hills, it can be debated, um, rest in peace. He passed away this past year. But what uh, you had to say was really intriguing to me. You came, there was all these guys kind of lamenting the course and you just, you came rushing in and uh, kind of defending Chicago Highlands. Like you were, you were just saying, Hey, you guys aren't seeing the things you're not looking at it correctly. So give me your take now. I mean, this is many years later from when you first uh, said that, what, what is your, your feel and gut on Chicago Highlands today? And it's kind of place in Chicago, the whole, the overall Chicago golf course, architecture landscape. I, I love it just because like, it's so different. And like, I feel like, I don't feel like Art Hill's got everything right, but uh, what I love about it is he took a lot of risks there. Like, you know, and that's one thing that like you got to look at. Like he he could be Art though would surprise you from time to time. I think the best description I ever heard of him was he'll design you 15 holes that are really good or solid, and then he'll give you three holes where you're like, what the heck just happened? And that, <laughs> that's a good different. one. Yeah, that's pretty I actually, good. I, I enjoy most Art Hill courses I played. I'm not gonna seek them out, but like I've used them as filler. There's a there's quite a few that I've enjoyed, but um but the front nine at Chicago Highlands is wild. It's just fun. Yeah. Like 
on the ninth hole, it's like, it's just one of the craziest holes. Like you just, you got to love the, whether you love it or hate it, it's, you're gonna, it's, you're gonna, for like, you're never gonna forget playing it. And it's yeah. like, it's a short par four and the green, it's literally just like looking at this giant mound and the green sits at the very top. Like it's a volcano. The- it's a, it's a yeah, 290 it's a volcano. volcano hole, right? Or 270, it, whatever it, it, the T's what, what I love is it's surrounded in short grass forever. And like, you can, you can play some serious ping pong and like, there's nothing more frustrating when you're hitting, trying to hit like a 70 yard shot uphill the wind's blowing, like you're trying to hold that green and they've softened it a little bit, but it is amazing. It's just one of the cool experiences in Chicagoland, the view up there, seeing the city too. But, uh, that front nine, just, uh, super linksy vibe to it. And just, uh, I just give our hills props. I think it's, um, you know, it's not perfect, but he took a lot of risks and, uh, it's some fun holes there. There's a par five, a couple holes before that, that, um, for the big hitters, it's just like a, it's a same thing. I mean, I, I going back to Lankford, it's this really cool green that, you know, at grade in the front, there's all these mounds that can kind of ricochet your shot if you're trying to go for it in two. And, uh, and then the green has this massive insane drop off in the back. And it's just, um, you know, it's one of those holes you play the first time. It's probably the easiest time you play it after the first time. And you know, what's going on. Like, it's just, it's an insane golf hole. And uh, yeah, I just, I just like, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but like, I just love how different it is than every other club in Chicago. And, you know, if I, it, like, it's one of those things, if I had a place to join around here, I would probably join there just because it is such a different experience. I can play a lot of Parkland golf around here. That just, I don't, I don't even describe it as linksy. It's its own thing. It's on top of a garbage dump, like wide open, just like it's, you know, it's, but I enjoy, I've always had fun every single time I played there. When, when it really changed for me is when they turn, changed the grass. I can't remember if it was just the rough maybe. Well, I think they did it in phases, but they um, they went – God, I feel like it was Kentucky something. It was like bluegrass in places, yeah. and it, it really uh, softened it in, in a lot of ways. And then when they brought in this new grass and I went out like two years after it, I was kind of blown away at how firm it played. Which is, yeah. which is not an easy task because it's built, it's not built on sand. It's built on uh, yeah. an old garbage dump. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah, when we got the opportunity and this is prior to you joining us, when we got the opportunity to, to go there for this, uh, you know, our, our flagship kind of member guest event, the, the stinger, it, uh, it was a combination of that, the course and, and really those that don't know, I think need to see it in, in another light. Cause it's, it, I think it's special too. And then you add on the view and the clubhouse and that whole experience yeah, and, a, and a kick-ass head pro who's just great <laughs> dude to, to hang out with. Like it, it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm pumped about that one. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. It's the, it's, it's the whole package now, you know, it's like once they completed that club, and I'm not a big clubhouse guy, but it's impressive. Like even I go there and I'm like, wow, this place, it really is. And I, I really, I foresee it as the home of like the BMW at some point, you know, yeah. like it's just, it's a really for TV, it would be awesome. Just like the location. And I, I, that's a place I would love to watch pro players play on. Same here. Same. Speaking of pro players, I want to get some, uh, you know, we're sitting here in March, uh, Greg Norman's out there blasting the, the live golf. How, what's your, what's your vibe on pro golf these days? You know, it's fun. I, I just, um, you know, I think the, the PGA tour, it's just too much, but you got to keep, you know, you got to take care of the players. I think there's only so much you can do. I, 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 I'm over the, you know, it's like the majors is what matters to me and always, and that's never going to change. And the, 
the spring is such a killer. Like the winter, like watching Hawaii and watching the Florida and the California swing. Like those are the events you love because you're stuck inside, you're watching, you're getting excited about the golf season. There are all these uh, places that you've seen year after year that are fun to watch on TV. And it's amazing, like as the summer goes along and other things start to pull you away, you know, there's just less and less interest. And um, I think competition's a great thing. I don't obviously love Saudi-backed golf. You know, it's like, I don't want to support that, but I do love the idea of just like, you know, creating more team stuff, doing anything, you know, just changing it up, not making every event the same, you know, and, uh, and seeking out new interesting venues to get people to watch. But it is, you know, you're up against everybody having fun in the summer. And it's, uh, you know, I do like that they've moved the majors up. I love that. I love ending on the British. The PGA always felt kind of like a castaway at the end, like it didn't. And I like the PGA being early now. So I like a lot of, you know, from that it's, Golf's got me captured from the pro side all the way from now till uh, till the British. But then it's just I, it loses me after that. You know, the you know, the East Lake and all that. It just doesn't do anything for me. And, you know, as a Chicago and just seeing the BMW kind of push. I loved it during the July 4th weekend. It was the best. Cog Hill or Butler back in the day for people who really it just it was the best. And um, I would kill to see that again and come back. So. I really, you know, I'm just not a fan of what's happened with the BMW. Yeah, that's a bummer, isn't it? I think one of the things that, uh, actually, your motto of be authentic is what pro golf needs, right? Is not everything trying to be something else. And, you know, the insane amounts of money, I think, really hurt at that authenticity. Because you can just feel that it's really just become a marketing vehicle. And, you know, obviously, it's all funded by the sponsors and uh, and, and I think your WGA, you know, the Western golf association is just so I'm reading, uh, Scotland's gift right now, CB McDonald. And man, you, you hear the stories in there about the original Western golf association and not that they aren't still a very influential body and in, in what they do, but, you know, not to call it the Western, like the Western was a big fucking deal man it was the fifth major like and and uh shout out to the nv5 invitational here who's beating <laughs> that event is coming up and it's put on by the wga but like it's it's uh i don't know man i just think yeah chicago and and our influence i say are because i'm a part of this chicago golf community as well and and i think our influence on the game of golf it deserves that that uh, tournament every single year. I really do. And, and from a historical standpoint, not just the quality of our golf courses, the population of Illinois, like I, I know it's, it's very biased, my statement here, but I just think that the WGA actually deserves a, a, a big event and, and moving it around is probably good for them in some ways, but I just think the history and the way that the, the tournament was, was uh, held in the past by the players should be that focal point. Yeah. No, I, I can't, I can't agree more. It's um, yeah. It's just something that was such a like huge part of my life growing up. Like I looked forward to the Western every year and like, you know, being a part of that event, going out there, like it just, um, you know, I remember like the last time it was down at Cog and like, I get it. Like Phil was trashing the golf course and like, there is a lot of things you can trash about. It's unfortunate. Like Coghill just got the bad end of the break. Like Reese Jones have been doing all those golf courses and like it made sense for them to bring in Reese, like whatever you agree with, whatever you think of the course now, it, like at the time it was a smart business decision, but like they were literally, I look at it, they were like 
U.S. Cellular, Comiskey Park, like that was the last of the cookie cutter stadiums built before you had the Orioles and all that. And it's like they kind of got just caught up at the end of it and lost out on a U.S. Open. And um, yeah, it's just unfortunate to leave there because it was a great place to view a tournament with the land and just uh, – yeah, I miss that going down there for the tournament. And I think Conway's done a great job. Medina did a great job. And, uh, you know, it's unfortunate we couldn't go down to Olympia Fields, but that was an amazing tournament to watch on TV. So it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see it still being played in Chicago at least every couple of years. But uh, I would love that midsummer. It was just something to look for, especially as a kid, like when you're not in school, like now it just doesn't make sense with the tournament. It's hard with the kids to get to it. School's going on. It's uh yeah, it was awesome. And that's one thing that I think uh, the WGA is missing on is like that, that tournament hooked me, like hooked me into pro golf. Like it just like, that made me, you know, that moment watching Tiger and running behind him is like one of the coolest moments of my life. And it's just like, if that tournament would have been in September, I would have never even worked it. So, you know, it's like, and, that's and, the that kills and, me. And, and you hope that like when it's in Baltimore, it does the same thing for some kid, you know, that doesn't have a local event. Although, uh, they got they got a couple and they got congressional that rolls through. It's not that far. Uh, but, you know, when they move this around, I think that's the goal. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 a bummer for Chicago. That's all. That's all I'll yeah. say. Um, I uh, oh, in five years is live golf investments. Where, where do, you, do you think this thing is going to be a part of our, our viewing? Are you watching Live Golf Investments? Are you going out? How about this? Are you going out this year to uh, Rich Harvest to see whoever, who knows who's going to play, uh, whoever play in the the Live Golf Investments? I think I, I honestly, um, I will probably try to go to at least one day at Rich Harvest. Like Rich Harvest is the most awesome, like host for a pro tournament ever. Like the course is just, it's, it's just, if you've been out there, like, you'll know, like what I'm talking about. And it's just, uh, they're the pros. I can't wait to see what they say about the place. I can't <laughs> wait to see how they deal with some of the shots they have to hit out there. And, uh, it's just a really interesting place for pro golf. Um, if, yeah, if, just, if Phil's complaining about Cog Hill and it's bunkering, I'd love to hear what he has to say about the devil's elbow uh, <laughs> and Rich Harvest. But yeah, I, it'll be interesting who's in the field and like seeing and. Um, but I think I think Phil killed it, man. I think he. I think it had a lot of momentum and I think it had a chance. And I think it'll still go on here for a couple of years because of all the money behind it. But I, it, it's tough. It's uh, you know, it feels like it feels like in a weird way it's career suicide if you as a golfer going to that side. I get it. The money you're going to be fine for the rest of your life, but like the way people view you and sponsors, I just, I it just doesn't feel like you can come back from that if you go play on that tour. Yeah. And, and all the concerns are just so clear to me of them, you know, stepping away from SGL because it can be related to Saudi golf. And uh, well, it is, that's like who it's backed by. And, and I think they're now trying to hide from that fact. And uh, it just feels bad in that regard. I think my hope is the hope of many golf viewers, which is that although this is probably not the right thing and Greg Norman isn't the right guy. Yeah. Like, man, I watched an interview with him with the PGA memes guy. And yeah. uh it's like everything he was saying made a lot of sense, right? And he's he, you know, he's a wonderful politician. I mean, he's built this um empire and, and he's very wealthy, successful man. He's got to, to sum it up though, at his kitchen table, he has a large bronze statue of himself looking over him and his family. Like the guy's a narcissist, man. He's a, he's a total 
you know, psycho. So like, I don't want him rep growing the game. Like, I don't think that's who we want doing that. And, uh, and so I, my hope is that it is it, the, the format, you know, going to team golf, you, you, it has to happen. I, I firmly believe that I we're doing team golf right this year for new club. Yeah. We're going to be rolling out some unbelievable formats where you and four golfers go take it on. Like, and, and us as human beings, us as fans, I think we need that. I think we need to, um, to have that type of connection that doesn't really occur on the individual side. Just look at formula one for that, or look at NFL Sundays. Like it's, it's that pride and, and that excitement when other people are working together to achieve something. So I, I want to see team golf happen. And I hope that this whole thing is just blazing the way for that to, to occur. And it's going to be another group. And some people say in the PGL, they'll figure it out. They'll do a strategic partnership with the PGA tour, with the European tour, or sorry, the, uh, uh, worldwide DP worldwide. But I, I hope that's the outcome. And I hope it's not, yeah. you know, Greg Norman on a throne telling us all what, what to do. I, cause that <laughs> that's going to be ugly. I know going back to your team thing, like, and I, I, this is also growing for the younger generation. Like if you've been a part of like PGA junior league, like I coach teams at the facility that I was at and like, even watching the kids, like they're doing, like they're playing three whole matches within nine holes. And it's like two of the kids play scramble and one of the kids sits out for one of the match, but they can coach. And like that format, like bringing that up to like, even like, you know, different formats and pro golf and like bringing that team thing where players are being substituted. And like, you got to have a strategy involved. Who's going to play certain amount of holes and when's going to play like that could be a super interesting format to watch on TV and like stuff like that. And I just, yeah, it's just, we got to mix it up more. There's got to be than just the usual, you know, and it would be, I mean, I, I foresee, like, I think it would be awesome. It would be like a fall golf league for the PGA tour would be awesome. Like a team environment, like a, something that they completely shift once football starts would be awesome. Yeah. Well, they, would, they taught, they had, uh, there was an announcement by the PGA that they were going to adjust the fall series to something like that. And I think that, and this is where the player run part of the PGA, I think is definitely a detriment, which is they, they squashed it because why they're at the end of their calendar. They want a real off season. Yeah. And so, so us as fans, we miss out on that. Cause I love watching golf in the fall. I'm not a massive football guy, so I know it's probably not what the ratings would indicate, but I would love to see that happen. And, and the fans are going to vote or the fans, the players are going to vote that down and uh, the top players at least, which, okay. Then like, <laughs> I think everyone will get to the point where they know it's the right thing to do and they have to adjust the schedule. And I think the ones that are going to suffer are those mid-market uh, tournaments, right? The ones that yeah. live is is putting in their crosshairs, trying to get on the schedule of they're they're going to suffer. And uh, I don't know, man. It, it'll get there, hopefully. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, and they're heading in the right direction. Competition is good, even though it may be coming from a bad place. Competition, you know, makes you better, and this will make the PGA Tour better. Uh. Last question for you, because we're already at the, the hour. I knew that would fly by quickly. Um, as you were, I feel like you were the type of person that was just born in grass clippings. Like you were meant to be in golf. You always had been. So I was surprised to learn that you were a grocer at one point, right? Or you, you worked yeah. for, who was it? Uh, Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. I had a both and Jewel actually started my career, but like, but mainly Trader Joe's and Whole Foods. So and this is a, this is a shout out to our, our friend, Tron, uh, Tron Carter of No Land Up always likes to rank grocery stores. So you're an actual professional comes from that industry. 
rank rank uh you know what are your top three grocers in illinois I would, uh, Trader Joe's, I cannot say enough. They're the real deal working for that company, the way they treat their employees, like the whole model, like of the private labeling, like you're getting stuff that you would buy. Like I always laugh, like we'd get the seven generation, uh, bathroom tissue and then we get the Trader Joe's and they come in the same box from the same company, but the Trader Joe's one would be like a dollar cheaper. And uh, I think, and they just have really unique items and I just love the shopping experience there. It's on a smaller scale. Like, yeah, I can, I'm definitely, I'm still sipping the Kool-Aid on Trader Joe's. Best ice <laughs> but, uh, cream sandwiches I've ever had in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I probably, I'll go with, uh, I'll split, I'll keep Whole Foods second. You know, they're going to get a knock because Amazon bought them. So, you know, I'm not going to go on the Jeff Bezos train, you know, they're trying to always force Amazon prime down my throat when I'm there, which I am an Amazon prime member, but still it's like, <laughs> all right, guys, I get it. Like I, but I, same thing, uh, Whole Foods compared to like the jewels of the world and like Dominic's back in the day, like they treat their employees really well for what you can. It's a tough job no matter what, but they do actually go above and beyond. Like when I was at Whole Foods, everybody had health insurance. Like that was a big deal. They kept the unions out of uh, Whole Foods. And I know that's like, oh, they're like trying to keep the unions out. Well, it's like they actually treated the employees well. And like, I remember at Jewel when I worked as a kid, like I'm paying union dues and it's like, why am I wasting my money as a kid just pushing carts around? And they weren't getting as good of benefits as the people at Whole Foods. So uh, Whole Foods sees that, and it's uh, hopefully it's still the same. I don't know because I haven't worked there since Amazon bought it, but they they treated us really well too. Um, little higher end, whole paycheck is definitely a real thing. But they got the lines, the three sixty five lines, really good, and some of their private label stuff. And uh, really, and obviously, their like pre made foods are awesome. Their deli, it's just the best. Um, and then Costco for sure. I should, I forgot about Costco. Costco, I can go on, you can get golf equipment, pot pie, a slice of pizza. Like Costco is the greatest thing ever. And hey, I, I can I'm, just, like th- I'm like three years overdue on my wedges and I'm, I'm legit about to buy those Costco wedges. Insane for 150 bucks for all three. Like if you, three, three wedges, 150 bucks, they are dialed, man. They look so good. Oh, in the putter too is like it has like an Odyssey look to it, but like you know, it's a it's a great putter. Like I, I just I can't say enough. I just love the Kirkland brand. Like you're guaranteed to get something good every time. It's amazing their product, and I just love the fact they don't advertise. You know, they make all their money basically off the membership fee, and then uh, sell everything it costs. And it's uh, yeah, it's just and you always find something new in there. It's wild. It's like a I love that sense of adventure when you go in there. Well, Brian, we're at the time. That wasn't hard to do. Thank you for coming on the backdrop. Thank you for being a part of New Club. Uh, what I said at the top of the show I, I, is is very true. And and as you as you put it, you have this authenticity about you and your love of the game of golf that is contagious. It makes me want to get up and go. It makes me want to get out and play. And I think our members are going to be the beneficiaries of that. They're going to be very, um, I hope some folks gave it a listen today, but more so reach out to Brian, chat with them. This guy is, is going to make us uh, all, maybe not better golfers. Our golf games will still stink, but uh, more enjoyed golfers. Exactly. Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't say thank you enough to, I just, this, it's like the golf course. I loved working on that side, but like this new club is such an outlet for my passion for golf. It's just awesome. It's like to be with like-minded golfers and have an audience of people that I, you know, that like what I like, you know, it's like, and I can just, you know, and 
I know I'm a, my wife jokes about it. I'm a psycho about it with golf and everything. And I'm so, but like, it's fun to have that audience that like will appreciate what I bring to the table. And it's just, uh, I look forward to this season so much. I haven't been, I haven't been this excited in a long time. Same here, man. All right. Enjoy time with the kiddo. Enjoy your weekend. Everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Today's episode of The Bag Drop was brought to you by our partners, Golf Blueprint, Journeyman Distillery, and This May's NV5 Invitational at the Glen Club. The Paths of the PGA Tour runs through Glenview when the NV5 Invitational presented by Old National Bank returns to the Glen Club on May 26th through 29th. Watch the game's future stars compete in the Chicago area's only annual professional golf event. Admission is complimentary, and all proceeds will help the Evan Scholars Foundation send youth caddies to college. Limited opportunities to volunteer or purchase upgraded fan experiences remain. Visit nv5invitational.com to secure your place today.